Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Caster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Everybody, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. It's a hump day. It is a busy Wednesday on Sports Daily. Chad Chambers producing for us your calls at 869-1240. We've got kicker drama with the Chiefs. Uh, we've got Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul coming at the top of the second hour. Coming a little later in this hour, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will stop in and we'll get uh, the latest on uh, KU basketball and, you know, KU football mix in a little bit as well as they are getting ready for the Liberty Bowl. Happy Wednesday to you, everybody. Tommy, we have all kinds of things. It's signing day across the country. Um, we're going to discuss Christmas movies a little later, perhaps, if we get uh, get a few minutes. I was dead set on jumping out of the gates here with kicker drama. But and I had missed this this morning, and you put me on it about five minutes ago, and I'm trying to catch up. This Carlos Correa deal is yeah. wild uh, in Major League Baseball. So Carlos Correa, who we thought had signed with the Giants, remember who were trying to spend some of their money, uh, apparently now for some reason got away from that deal and is now signing with the Mets for a little bit less money. Uh, I think on the yearly, it was a 13-year, $350 million deal with San Francisco. That deal is no more. Now it's a 12-year, $315 million deal with the Mets. Uh, From what I can gather reading, Tommy, it seemed like there may have been a snag in the physical for the Giants, which allowed this all to happen. What a wild story, and I don't remember anything like this on a contract of this magnitude ever happening before. Yeah, this is wild, and you know this came came up overnight. Uh, John Heyman, one of the Major League Baseball insiders, uh, broke the story at like three o'clock this morning, uh, talking about how Carlos Correa uh, was no longer going to be a, a San Francisco Giant, but was going to be a New York Met instead, uh, due to a medical issue. And and you know I think that there there's got to be some truth to the story about something wrong with the physical, right? If you're going to oh, avoid sure. that yeah. large of a contract. That's probably legitimate, but there's also a small part of me, Jacob, where I wonder if maybe the Giants had a little bit of buyer's remorse. Like they were spending a lot of money on Carlos Correa and not just a lot of money, but they can, they were committed to him for a long time, 13 years. We talked about it when the original deal with the Giants was finalized, that he was going to be under contract with the Giants through his age 41 season. 
41, 41 years old. And so I, I wonder if there's a small part of the Giants that maybe I know they're missing out on a player of the magnitude of Carlos Correa, but I wonder if there's a small part of them maybe breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief that they're not locked down with that long of a contract for that much money for a player like Carlos Correa. You know, it's weird because they have been trying to spend money for a long time, right? They've been going after free agents and trying to get in on these big guys. So I think they want to spend the money. Um, but and, and the Correa deal, by comparison's sake, to some of the other deals is is fine. I mean, it's, you know, you got to compare it. Is it's it going to be worth long. it? It's long. It's just long, but they're long. all long right now. Look at all these deals, position player deals anyway. The pitcher deals aren't quite as long, but the, these position player deals are long. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the price of doing business anymore. And I think the Giants were ready to do business. I, I don't know if there would have been buyer's remorse. Maybe they had other plans elsewhere in the free agent market that didn't come to fruition. I don't know. Um, but, but it's what strange. In the world, what in the world are we doing here in Major League Baseball where we're committing a huge sum of money to players who are going to be middle-aged by the time their contracts are done. We like, are, we're paying the price of baseball. I mean, oh, man. look, if, if you ever feel like you need to have sympathy for teams that, you know, aren't drawing or doing anything else, the reason that the Dodgers and the Mets and the Yankees and the Rangers now and the, and the Padres, there's a reason they're spending all this money and they're willing to do it because it's worth it. It's worth it. They draw the, the fans in. And, you know, for the Giants, you're sitting there in a division where the Dodgers are spending like crazy and the Padres are spending like crazy, and you feel like you're getting left behind and you don't want to do that. It's one of the great fan bases in baseball. Those fans show up. They, you know, they, they win games. It's a really well-run organization. So I get it. Like, you don't want to get left behind or feel like you're letting your fans down by not spending any money. Take note, you know, Royals, if you want to build a new ballpark. And and they made a, a signing yesterday too, Jordan Lyles, which is not earth shattering, Yawn. not earth shaking, but four forty five ERA that logged one hundred and eighty innings. We we know that they need that, and and I saw somebody throw a stat out there. He gave up like thirty eight home runs last year uh, at at in Baltimore, but would have by distance on those home runs allowed it would have been eighteen in Kansas City. So. That's the kind of move the Royals need to make, but it's not one that's going to get the fan base excited. They needed that kind of pitcher. They need somebody that can throw 180 innings and keep them in games. It's not a bad move. It's just not a headline move, right? It's not one that when when John Sherman is promising pitching money, it's like, okay, uh, nice try. But but it's it could boring, work out. It's a boring move. It's boring. You know, and it's boring, but it's Jordan a savvy Lyles. move. And they signed Ryan Yarborough, so they've got yeah. a couple of arms. Yeah, the it's their savvy in the, in the rotation that are veterans that can eat yeah. up innings. But neither one of them no. are needle movers at all. Neither, I mean, well, they're no, all, they're not they're needle both, movers. The, but the Royals, the, their needle moving will come from winning games, and those two guys could help them win games. I, I would get the caution. Most. I would caution anybody to get excited at all about Jordan Lyles or Ryan Yarborough because, yeah, they might nope. be able to eat up some innings, but they're they're. Their ERAs are are high. Both of them uh, have career ERAs over four, uh, and so well, come on. But I you got to consider what what the alternative was last year. You're talking ERAs up closer to six, true. right? So it, it, they're fine moves for a team that's not ready to spend big. It would be silly of the Royals to come out and spend big right now. There's nobody out there that they 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 need to be more concerned with spending their money on the young players they already have. Take the Braves approach. Lock up those. You want to get the fan base excited. 
lock up uh, Melendez, lock up Bobby Witt Jr., maybe even, you know, Vinny Pascantino. Go get those guys signed to long-term deals. That's going to get the fan base excited. But they got to win games. They're, that's an aside. So they're not in the same situation as the Giants who do consistently win games, who play in a division where everybody around them that's legitimate and, rele- and, and relevant is spending. So I get why the Giants want to spend the money. They have the money to spend. They want to spend it. So if that's the case, the price of baseball right now are these insanely long deals. I mean, we see it time and time and time again. They'll never work out on the back end. I think that the team signing the deals know that they'll never work out on the back end. But that just tells you the price and the and the benefit of having full stadiums in baseball. These teams are making so much money. Look at the Mets. I mean, their billionaire owner has like now half a billion dollars tied up, Tommy, in players, and will take like a hundred and eighty million dollar hit or something ridiculous. Maybe that I don't know if that don't don't quote me on that number, but just a ridiculous penalty number for having such an inflated payroll, and he doesn't care. Like, he could care yeah. less. Why? Yeah, let's talk about it. Because let's they know they're the going to— they're, they're going to – because they know if they get fans yeah. excited and they sell out all their games, that, that money's nothing. Let's talk about the Mets for a second. Uh, they don't need Carlos Correa. They have a shortstop. Well, they'll put him Lindor, in I know, but what third. I'm saying is that it doesn't necessarily even matter – what position these players are. I know this offseason, the free agent market was heavy with shortstops, and there were shortstop needy teams out there, and the Mets weren't one of them. They have Francisco Lindor, but they're willing to drop over $300 million over the course of 12 years on Carlos Correa and move him to a position that's not his natural position. They don't care. They'll spend the money. It doesn't matter to them, uh, and, and that's the world of baseball right now. It's um, it, it is. And, and I do think, you know, I actually kind of like the move for them because it shores up. I mean, it gives you one of the better defensive left halves of the infield in baseball. And and it's fine. I mean, I, third base to me is still a premium en- enough defensive position that it's OK. And, and the other thing is both of those guys probably, you know, you could it, later in the career if defense defense becomes a liability you can move Correa I would imagine to right field or something or DH and you could move Lindor to second base and still try and take advantage um, of some of the offense I I get it I it's not going to I I think Tommy what we have to do is just like erase what we think it matters to these teams financially to have guys playing up until 40 years old because that's just the price. Like, that's the cost. Yeah. The the Mets' average ticket price, let me look at this. So this is according to Statista. I have no idea how how legitimate this is. Um, But Statista says that the average ticket price for the Mets last year was just under $30. So let's assume now with the moves that they're making that they'll have an average $30 you know, ticket price this year. Um, and I would imagine that when you consider lower seats that, that it's more than that. But let's just say it's 30. And they have a 42,000-seat stadium. That's $1.26 million just in tickets, right, that they would draw over 81 games is a hundred, a little over $100 million. That's just at the gate. Now, if you think, uh, what what do you add to that, right? If people, you know, people are probably at least spending twenty bucks at the ballpark, and that's probably an understatement. 
And then you have the revenue deals. And then you have the TV deals. And then you have the merchandise away from the stadium deals. These teams make so much money. So if they, you know, I, I don't know what a yearly rake is for a team, but it's probably a tremendous amount. And I don't think any of these owners are in the business of losing money, right? Sure. So it, it's just the cost of doing business. But to them, it's worth it if you're winning. And the Mets are doing everything they can to win. Now, they also have a new owner that I think is also a fan that has the money, doesn't really care. And maybe he is willing to take a few L's in the in the budget to, to get a World Series to his beloved Mets. The comparison, though, John Sherman is also a new owner, and he's a billionaire also. And I understand, and there's been this argument forever about small market teams don't have the money to spend like the big market teams. That's baloney. That's baloney. The the ownership is the question here. And I'm not criticizing John Sherman at this point. I think that he's still so new in his in his tenure with Kansas City that time will tell if he's willing to spend. But look at Steve Cohen and John Sherman. Both of those guys are are new owners in the league. Yeah, the Mets are a larger market than the Royals are. But the Royals have spent, what, like 20 million-ish dollars ballpark on free agents this year? What have the Mets spent? I'm not suggesting that the Royals are ever going to spend at the level that the Mets are. But John Sherman has the money. The Royals have the money. Maybe not to go out and get a Carlos Correa type, but they can spend more money certainly than what they've spent so far. I'm trying to find his net worth. John Sherman's net worth in 2014. Uh, No, this was written in, yeah, in, as of July 30th, 2014, his net worth was $24 million. It's obviously gone up since then. It had to have. Well, he couldn't have um, bought the Royals with a net worth of $24 million. Well, he's but he's in partner. Remember, he's partnering with Mahomes and all these people. He's not like a um, estimated to be approximately $1.2 billion according to appumone.com. I don't know what any of that means. But but it is. I mean, they're different. They're different markets. I, I right, don't know apples that the Royals are Right. It's apples and but, oranges. But I do, I, do, I do think that Kansas City, in this world of spending money and, you know— if you want to sit here and tell me that the Royals are losing money hand over fist each year, I get it that the fact that people aren't necessarily coming out to the ballpark because they're not the losing team stinks. money. Don't, they're not don't losing they're, money though. There, no. there are so many different revenue streams. They can go out there and they can spend a little bit more money. And what I'm what I'm asking for is they they are absolutely capable of making a little bit of a bigger splash than Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarborough. That's all I'm what saying. player? Because I, I I tend to agree to, but only to some level. Because what player do you think that they could go out and sign right now, or would have signed, that would have actually given them a better chance to win a World Series? Because the problem the Royals are running into right now is they're not a player away at any spot. I mean, they're they're losing too many games. I'm not sure they're ready for that yet. Um, well, give me a guy like Brandon Drury, for example, who just signed with the Angels for a two-year, $17 million deal. It's not a ton of money. The Angels aren't giving up a lot of money. Brandon Drury won the Silver Slugger last year. And what position so, will he play? Well, he's a utility. I mean, he's a utility man. He can play all over the field. I'm just suggesting you there. There's a level. There's a tier of players who are out there who are free agents. Somebody like, I don't know, Michael Conforto or somebody who's a free agent that, you know, can give you um, some power in the lineup that is a little bit more of a veteran that is proven. 
uh, that can complement these young guys in the lineup. And I know that hitting is not the concern for the Royals. It's the pitching for sure. But there are players that are out there that are not going to cost you a 12-year, $300 million contract that will still be a little bit of a bigger splash than what the Royals have done so far. They definitely have room for an outfielder. I don't. I think that's it, though. Uh, they're, they're set at catcher and at DH with the combination of Perez and Melendez. They're set in the infield, to me, in my opinion, with Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pascantino, Nicky Lopez, and hopefully Adalberto Mondesi. I don't think you block Adalberto Mondesi at no. this point. No way. Um, and no, I know it's it's a it's a long shot, but it's a long shot at this point with all they've invested in him that they got to be willing to to try again because if he's out there, which is a huge if, I understand the magnitude of it. I just don't think blocking him with Brandon Drury is the long term play. Now in the outfield, though, absolutely, you could you I mean you you're running out. I look, I mean, what are they running out? Michael A. Taylor. Uh, Drew Waters and who? I mean, maybe yeah, Edward Olivares. I mean, Hunter Dozier. Right. Who I think is handy. Kyle Isbell. No, those aren't good enough players. Um, so, and and Prado has got to factor in somewhere there. But they don't have a lot of because they don't want to block their young players either. That that's not the best path for them either. I think their money to be spent is to go lock up right now. They need to lock up Bobby Witt Jr. MJ Melendez and Vinny Pascantino. Those guys need to be locked up immediately. That's where just a, a little, you spend a lot of money. And then yeah, it's the just pitching. A, yeah. It's a little bit depressing though that you see these reports. And I know, again, it's apples and oranges. They're superstars on huge long-term contracts that the Royals were never going to be in play for. I get it. But it's depressing when you see these teams that are locking up great players for a long time and they're all in on a World Series. And yet the Royals, the news we get, Jordan Lyles. Okay, cool. Great. I, I think here I can't believe I'm defending Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarbrough. The only reason I am though is because they're better than what they had. So that that is at least, if nothing else, improvements. Right. Yeah, you to go from rotation. awful to mediocre. You're going from exactly. awful to mediocre. Because, Come on. Because you have to bake it. Because what were they gonna do? You think they were gonna go play for Carlos Rodon or Jacob deGrom? Like that's not gonna happen. So if, if you can at least get marginally better there, and, and the bottom line for the Royals is they're only going to, this is only going to work if Brady Singer continues his development from last year and he's your one, right? If Brad Keller, because Brad Keller and Daniel Lynch, if they're the other two guys, they, they've been awful. And so yeah. you had to I'm have somebody I'm telling you right now, getting there. marginally better, going from awful to mediocre will not make this team a playoff team. It it's will not, not that. Happen. It's it, it's going to have to be growth among the young players they already have. That's where it's going to have to come from. If the if the Royals really wanted to win next year and they really did want to make an impact and go win games at a higher clip than they did a year ago, the place they would spend their money is in the bullpen, and that is money that can be spent and should be spent by Kansas City. Because if you're trying to get your payroll up, which I do think they are trying to do. If you're trying to get your payroll up and you want a legitimate, realistic impact on your team, because they're never going to be able to go afford the big-time starting pitching. It, the market is too hot for them. But you can afford relief pitchers. And it was a great bullpen, not a great rotation, that led the Royals to two straight World Series. So if you want to get better immediately— you go sign two or three bullpen arms to go with the two that you already had that are good. Now you're shortening games in these pitchers that aren't that are mediocre, right? They only got to get you through five innings, and now you're in business because your bullpen's great. 
that that's the the Royals can't just go out and if they went and signed Carlos Correa, it's going to have such a small impact on their team that it it doesn't make any sense. It's far more beneficial to go give that money to Bobby Witt Jr. to go give that money to Vinny Pascantino into MJ Melendez. Go go lock take that approach from the Braves because they're doing it better than anybody yeah. right now, and then go spend free agent money. Yes, on middling starting pitching, as annoying as that is for people, that's what they need. And you've got to get a good bullpen again. Now, I don't know enough about their farm and what they've got coming up that could be potential bullpen pieces. But if they want the immediate impact, they got to shorten these games down and win the same way they won most recently. And that's to, to lock people down at the end of a game. My final word on this, John Sherman made it very clear when they were touting this new downtown ballpark that he wanted the fans to hold him accountable. He's out there. He's asking for, you know, public private dollars to be able to build this brand new downtown ballpark. And they're signing Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarbrough. I'm not knocking those guys that they're bad players, but I'm not going to sit here. If he wants the fan base to hold him accountable, I'm not going to sit here and let him cry poor and say we can't go out and we can't sign guys that can actually be difference makers. If he wants to build the downtown ballpark, they've their window of opportunity is small to get fans yeah. in that stadium right now and have a winning team for them to support building a downtown ballpark. So the stakes are high for John Sherman and the Royals, and every time a superstar player comes off the board. Again, I'm not suggesting that Kansas City was ever going to sign Carlos Correa, but every time we see another team investing in the long-term future of their franchise and we see the Royals signing mediocre pitching in the free agent market, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they're going to be all in and want to be able to actually invest in the team's future. I agree, and, and that's his problem. That's his problem to have right now. That's his problem because he wants to build a new downtown ballpark. I don't know what, you know... It, the problem that he's going to run into is timing. The Royals, unfortunately for him, are not ready to be big spenders yet. They're they're at least one season away from that, more likely two. But he wants to you know to do this, and I don't know what his timetable in on the ballpark is. If if all the planets align, and let's say he wants that new ballpark funded and ready to go in two seasons from now. The best case scenario is they get a little bit better this year. And let's say they flirt with, I don't know, 75, 80 wins. And the young players develop. Now you can go lock up your young players, and now you go make your big splash. Like, who's the guy that you can bring in now? Can you afford to get up in the threshold and pay anybody on your roster 25 to $30 million? It's probably going to take 25 for Bobby Witt Jr. Can you, because you can't go, they're never going to be able to justify a $30 million player with a $40 million remaining payroll, right? It, that, that just doesn't work. But they can they can go get some of the middling guys, which is what they did when they went to the World Series, right, in 2014 and 15. When they got close, that's when they started to make moves and take on payroll, and they timed it right. But they had the pieces in place to be able to do that. When they go get Johnny Cueto, when they go get uh, – uh, Ben Zobrist, but neither one yeah, of those guys exactly. were middling. Th those were above no, I know. average players. Both they of for them sure were. were, but they also took on their they took on their salaries through trade, right? They, so sure. that's that's the other piece of this. You can take on payroll without signing free agents. You can go take on payroll through trade. If the planets aligned, they'd be able to do that this year. The, 
that's a huge risk after what we've seen, right? Last year was supposed to be that year. And now we think we're headed in the other direction. But, but the young position players, I do think there's confidence there. If there's not in the in the pitching, there at least is in the lineup. Maybe that gets you enough ammo to go make some moves. I don't think they're going to make them this year, though, which is why this listening tour is a little bit silly because it's hard to imagine a scenario where that's this year. Could it be next year? Sure it could. Absolutely it could. But it's but it's a big ask. And while the Mets are spending $800 million on free agents and the Royals are spending 30 I spent most of my shift this weekend, Tommy, on the national CBS deal talking about how the economics of baseball don't make any sense. And the problem is there's no solution for it. I don't know because nobody wants a salary cap. Players nor owners want a salary cap, right? There, there's not a there's not a clear-cut solution to fix this problem. And I think it's just the way it's going to operate forever. And that sucks if you're not in one of those big markets. It does. The only, the only solution, ownership has to start opening up their pockets like Steve Cohen does. John Sherman, if you want to build a downtown ballpark, yeah. you want to have people come out to the stadium, you want the team to compete for a World Series, you got to spend more than $20 million in an offseason. Otherwise, stay at Kauffman, pay your yeah. rent. And throw out $30 million. I totally agree. 869-1240 is the number to call when we come back. Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, joins us on Sports Daily. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Jake Ballbrock, Tommy Caster. Jad, you promised us, and we'll get this a little later, his favorite Christmas song today. We're waiting and dripping with anticipation to hear what Jad's favorite Christmas song is. Uh, Jad's running down Brian Haney now. We'll get that uh, in just a few minutes and talk a little KU. Uh, Tommy, we give us a real quick rundown here. We can pivot away from this quickly on the kicker drama right now in Kansas City. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, of course, we've known that Harrison Butker has uh, struggled this season a little bit. You know, he missed that game-winning field goal uh, on Sunday against the Texans, missed an extra point. Uh, He's been injured since, like, week one and been working his way back from that injury, missed a couple of games, and we know about the, uh, the signings that Kansas City had to try to bring in other kickers. Well, former Chiefs punter Dustin Colquitt, of course, Colquitt played with the Chiefs for a long time, uh, basically said that the issue is not with Butker. It's with Tommy Townsend, who's the punter, and he's not holding the ball well for Harrison Butker. And so apparently there's been a war of words going on with Dustin Colquitt going on the radio talking about all of that. Uh, there's more to the story that I know we'll get to later. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to the kicker drama. As promised now, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haiti, joining us. And we are one week, Brian, away from the Liberty Bowl. Um, we are one game away from the start of conference basketball season in the Big 12. You've got to make a pick here. We're putting you on the spot. Are you more excited for the start of Big 12 basketball, or are you more excited for the Liberty Bowl? Oh, that's an easy one. Definitely more excited for the Liberty Bowl just because it's been 14 years for Kansas to be in the postseason and a big opportunity to finish with a winning record for the first time since 2008. So, Obviously very excited about Big 12 Conference play again. I think the Jayhawks have a great chance to win a 17th Big 12 title in 20 years under Bill Self. And not that we take those for granted at all, 
but you know, that's that's a general optimism, enthusiasm, and excitement we have every year. The football opportunity is one that obviously has been few and far between. There's probably folks listening right now that weren't alive the last time the Jayhawks were in a bowl game. So we're very excited about the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and uh, we'll be leaving on Christmas Day to head to Memphis and uh, going to try to, to test out the barbecue. Last time I was there, I had rendezvous barbecue. I didn't think it came close to Kansas City barbecue, but we'll see. Maybe they can bring it stronger this time. But I think that's what's at the forefront of my mind right now is Memphis and uh, trying to get Lance Leipold's team to finish at 7-6. and six. Well, let's dial in on that Liberty Bowl a little bit, Brian. The preparations are underway for sure and of course the extra practice time that Kansas football gets to prepare for the Liberty Bowl uh I saw the I think the first released depth chart for the Liberty Bowl came out yesterday I believe uh what what's your indication on where things stand with this program moving forward as they're preparing for the Liberty Bowl well I think Kansas is much more whole than Arkansas you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the final you know, starting lineups look like on both sides. We've talked about this on previous reports that so often in this modern day age of bowl games, it really comes down to who wants to be there more and who is closest to whole. And in the case of, of this Arkansas team, whether it's NFL draft entry, transfer portal, or injury, there's a lot of guys on both sides of the ball that will likely be sitting this one out. That's not to downplay the caliber of the opponent at all it's an sec school that was ranked as high as number 10 after a 3-0 and start but uh you know for kansas i think we're, we're looking about as healthy as we could possibly be right now um it'll be interesting to see if they have the full complement of running backs that they're hopeful to have back but uh other than that i mean most positions are as healthy as we've been since september when this club raced out to the 5-0 and start and in KU's case, while certainly, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a guy or two miss the game, it, it's not anything close to, to what you're seeing around the rest of college football. And part of that is the culture. Part of that is the fact that it's the first bowl game for all of these guys. I mean, that, there's just an excitement to, to do something special here, something historic that has our guys bought in, fired up, going to come out with their hair on fire. And, and I think that's very different than what you see from some of the other teams that, that are playing in the postseason for the third or fourth straight year and some of their seniors' cases. They've been there before. They've done that. Kansas, this is special. you know. And so whether it's the, the player enthusiasm and motivation, whether it's the creativity of the play calling, I think the Jayhawks are going to go for broke uh, on the 28th and just throw it all out there. And can't wait to see what that looks like because I've seen it time and time again where the supposed underdog winds up winning in December because they wanted it more and and they had more of their regular guys and I think that's going to be the case with Kansas here on the 28th it's uh it's an interesting time I, I don't know how privy you've been to the progress being made in the extra practice time are you able to get any vibe for how beneficial you think that might be uh, to this team in what it could be after this season yeah, I think that's that's the big key is what it could be after this season. Certainly it helps you get ready for Arkansas, but uh, more than anything, I, I think what's going to make this team great versus Arkansas is just, you know, being a full month healthier of not, you know, sustaining any additional injuries and, and, and that kind of thing. But Lance Leipold talked about it and his staff has talked about it. I think Andy Kotelnik, he was breaking it down on Monday, talking about incrementally building, you know, additional practices the 14 or 15 additional practices you get in this month of december by being a bowl team makes you 14 or 15 practices better when you head into the spring and you stack 
those great days on top of one another. You stack those months on top of one another. And he said it makes us, you know, so much further ahead than where we would have been heading into the preseason. And then if you start to become a program that sustains that and gets that every year, you're stacking those additional months on top of one another so that by the time a guy like Jalen Daniels is playing in his senior season, he's had multiple additional Decembers that, that put him in position to be even better. Um, you know, same is true with anybody who's, who's you know still got a couple of years left. And so that's the idea. That's the goal. And it's just a night and day different contrast from where this club was at, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic when we didn't even get spring football based on when we'd scheduled it. And, and many other programs did. Not only did we have 15 fewer practices with no bowl game, we had 15 fewer practices in the spring. And, and Kansas was already operating as the 10th rung on the Big 12 ladder. Now you're starting to make some headway and you're starting to get more time invested with these guys uh, having quality days of good footballs as Andy Kotelnicki phrased it uh, stacked on top of one another and so yeah sure it'll help versus Arkansas but it's more of a big picture thing and and a big you know program building type trajectory that you talk about with these additional months when you get to go to bowl games in, in, in multiple years so that's what Kansas is setting out to do and hopefully uh, you know we'll see a lot of dividends paid on all this additional time they got this month. What's that like for you, Brian? You know, we're, we're four days away from Christmas and we're talking about Kansas football in a positive way where they're playing in a bowl game. Uh, we know that we've got Lance Leipold locked up for a long time. And then, of course, National Signing Day today and uh, the different you know commits coming in and signing their letter of intent to join Kansas football. And it seems like things are running incredibly smoothly right now. What does that feel like for you to be in that position right now as we're only a couple of days away from Christmas? Man, it's it's kind of surreal in some ways. I mean, my first six years, we were just trying to be competitive and, and have a win or two. And, and now you're talking about a program that's that's had so much success in a short window and they're trying to reap a harvest in recruiting that sustains that success and propels it even farther. You're talking about a athletic department that's that's doing a stadium overhaul and facilities overhaul and football starting next month that is going to keep our trajectory pointed upward and onward in all aspects of what they're building in recruiting in facilities in fundraising on the field in coaching continuity in, in culture and leadership i mean everything right now has an upward arrow pointed next to it and uh that's you know, just night and day stark contrast of what it was you know my first six years so it's pretty surreal to be talking about going bowling and and uh some of the guys they were able to land on signing day and we won't get into specifics today maybe on a future report we can do about that but uh it's, it's definitely exciting you know to see not just what we've enjoyed the last four months but how sustainable it looks to be over the long haul now that you have locked up Coach Leipold and his his top assistant and Andy Kotelnicki, you've you've seen these guys commit to Kansas football long term, and so unlike some previous you know flashes in the pan here or there, this looks more sustainable than it's ever been, and that's maybe the most exciting part. All right, let's switch to basketball now. Uh, KU is looking well, fantastic at this point. Um, I think they answered a lot of questions in the Indiana game. They played one of, if not the best big in the country, certainly in the conversation, and they handled themselves well, even though he played relatively well. As we look back at this, 
I, I think that KU absolutely is in a position to repeat. They, you know, you couldn't really ask for a better start to the season, all things considered, when they had so many players to replace. This, this is a good feeling headed into now the meat and potatoes of the schedule as we turn the calendar. Yeah, it really is. I think uh, Jeff Goodman, one of the, the more uh, well-renowned national writers, tweeted the other day, uh, during the Indiana game, okay, I'm convinced this team can repeat. And I think we were all kind of having that feeling watching the Jayhawks just dismantle Indiana. And they had a key injury to, to their, their number two score, but Kansas was already off to the race as well before that. And maybe that makes a 22-point Kansas win more like a 14-point Kansas win. You know, So it, it was just a, a total domination in so many regards. We saw Kansas have a team-high, season-high 17 steals. And so many times with these live ball turnovers, they were turning defense into offense almost immediately on the other end. And so you see an aggressive attacking Kansas team. You see a defensively um, assignment sound and, and, and very stout team. They've got two elite-level defenders that are like national defender player of the year caliber in Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris. And then, you know, those couple of guys – as Bill Self has described this week, both on Hawk Talk and at his press conference, they can raise the tide of all ships by, by smoothing over some rough edges with the other three players on the floor, just in the way they have a feel for the game and some of the things they do instinctively, defensively. But then you see guys like Wichita's proudest son, Grady Dick, uh, really stepping up his game defensively. He made one brilliant play right in front of us in our broadcast location on the opposite side of the Kansas bench the other day where he showed some of the strongest hands possible in, in reaching out the passing lane, stealing and, and pulling in a ball all in one motion uh, to get a hand out on a deflection. But then even though he didn't have a good angle, somehow pulls it in and he's right down the left sideline into the rim for two, just like that. And one of five steals, a career high on the day. And Bill Self talked about how in, in six weeks' time, he's improved leaps and bounds defensively. And that when Grady came here, both Grady and Coach Self didn't want him to leave here just being known as a shooter. Now, he might be remembered as one of the greatest shooters in the modern era, one of the greatest shooters Kansas has ever had, but Bill Self wanted him to be thought of more as a player, and that means both ends of the floor and not just being competent but being tough on the defensive end, and he's getting there. And we talked about that back in October, and I told you, you know, there'll be a maturation process that has to happen with your with him here on both ends in order for him to be all he can be. So be patient. There, there might be an occasional growing pain here or there. But, but, man, we've seen this kid buy in, take hard coaching, be stronger, be better for it. I, I can't say enough good things about his attitude as a guy that came in pretty accomplished and 100,000 Instagram followers. He's kind of a big deal, as Ron Burgundy would say. And, and yet he's so humble and willing to be coached hard because he knows that – with a guy like Bill Self, whether he's got a chance to work with him for one year or two, that, that's a Hall of Famer that's going to lead Grady much better than he found him if Grady's willing you know, to be moldable and coachable and listen and, and receive constructive criticism and, and come back tougher for it. And he's done that. And, and obviously, we're just at the tip of the iceberg right now. We're 11 games in, so let's not put the cart before the horse. But I've seen enough in, in six weeks to, to know that Man, the sky's the limit for this kid, um, you know, as, as well as he is taking that instructional advice and coaching. And still plenty of areas to ascend within his game, but the fact that he didn't come in thinking he had everything figured out and the fact that he was willing to 
work on some areas where he could improve vastly just shows a lot about the potential of this kid and, and, and how he's fired and how as good as he is now, he could be twice as good as that before he leaves. And that's really, really exciting. Brian, I love getting your takes uh, week to week on the development of the bigs for this team. KJ Adams, super athletic, played really well against Indiana. And then Zuby Ejiofor getting more minutes off the bench. Uh, he, I think he had 12 minutes off the bench and eight points in that game uh, against the Hoosiers. Where do you stand right now on where these bigs are developing and, and how that's all looking for the rotation for the Jayhawks? It's funny, you know, you like to ask week to week and I ask Bill week to week. And sometimes he looks at me like, well, we just talked about it five days ago. But the truth of the matter is, like, it really is changing every three or four days in terms of how how tiny the margin is between these guys and, and the pecking order. Like, if you can imagine, like, a, a racetrack, whether it's dogs or, or horses, you know, K.J. Adams has the inside pole position, right? And, he, and he's a little bit out in front. But the guys, you know, rounding the, the turns next to him, uh, with each leg of the race, you know, it's, it's Zuby by a nose uh, ahead of Ernest. And then, you know, here comes Zach and Cam, not to be forgotten. And one week, Zuby's in front of Ernest. And the next week, it's, it's Ernest slightly ahead of Zuby. But last week... Zuby was really good in practice, and Coach told us throughout the week, including when we were in Wichita a week ago, talking with fans there at the Marriott at our Wichita round ball lunch, and he said, hey, you know, right now Zuby's, Zuby's the, the, the guy this week. I don't want to say flavor of the week or anything like that, but he, he, was, he was a hot hand. And so he got the, the bulk of the minutes behind KJ versus Indiana, and he showed his athleticism. And that's part of why Self loved him in that matchup. They needed that kind of motor and athleticism and length versus a guy like Trace Jackson Davis. And, and he certainly showed out with a four-for-five line, had a big block as well, did some really nice things. But in talking to Coach just last night, he said, man, it is razor thin between all these guys. And he's not willing to, to truly say that one's fully head of another. But he looks at Ernest and Zuby as kind of a, uh, a hedge your bet. We got two guys, we need one to emerge. And that's not to say whoever doesn't is, is lost for the rest of the year, but they want to start tightening up this rotation a little bit when they get into mid-January. And so he'd really like to see some separation there, and they really are that close. So KJ is the clear you know, big man starter right now, but there's going to be matchups like Jackson Davis where you need a little more size, a little more length, and that's where he really hopes the maturation process of Zuby and Ernest comes a little bit quicker. Um, I, I think they're, they're both kind of – improving at their own pace and like i say in, in this you know tortoise versus the hare long long race there's going to be moments where you know one surges ahead of the other and progress for the guy behind seems a little bit slower but i mean you look back to duke and what was it four blocks ernest had you know, there have been different moments where we've seen that the best of what each of them has to offer with their respective skill sets uh, we just have to, to sit back and, and hope, you know, one of these two guys becomes more consistent because that's really what it's going to be. Consistency, don't make mistakes, be assignment sound, be where you're supposed to be. Uh, and, and if you do that and, and self, you know, eventually develops trust, then one of those guys is going to emerge and he's going to play pretty steady minutes. And, and self, without quoting Meet the Fockers, was basically talking about the circle of trust last night on Hawk Talk and how whether it's the two freshman bigs or MJ Rice, they just need to, to get to a point where they've entered his circle of trust. And, and it's going to take time. But I think he knows for this team to truly 
be a national title defender and repeater and all that, it's going to have to be one of those two bigs emerging and MJ both. They didn't necessarily, you know, need MJ versus Indiana, but if you're going to win six in a row in March and April, you're going to need that guy at some point. And so those are the big three right now that need to enter the circle of trust. But everybody already on the inside, man, they look good. And this team absolutely looks like it could beat anybody right now in what is kind of a wide open year in men's college basketball. It does feel wide open, and it's going to sort itself out even if it's just in the Big 12. There are some projections already with nine Big 12 teams making the tournament, which is just wild. Uh, Brian, we appreciate it. Thank you for the visit again. Next time we talk, it'll be, uh, man, it'll be Liberty Bowl time, literally. Yeah, I can't wait for that, fellas. Do we do we get to talk next week? Some of these shows shut it down for the holidays. Are you guys going to be rocking and rolling? We will be good to go. Yeah, on Wednesday we'll be good to go. So we'd love to chat right on the okay. right on the uh, on the countdown to the game. I'll call you from Beale Street. That sounds good. Uh, looking Heck forward yeah. to it. Thank you guys, and uh, happy holidays to you and yours. Happy holidays to my friends at the Mattress Hub. Ryan Beatty, former KU baseball player, now he's local politician and entrepreneur, just uh, such a rock star of a human being. He started this company over a decade ago, and uh, they're better than ever right now. The customer service, the selection, the prices, they can't be beat at the mattress. So check them out today. I bought the, uh, the purple mattress way back in the spring, and my neck and back has never felt better as a result. But whether it's a Tempur-Pedic, a Sealy, or a different kind of mattress that you've got your eye on, They've got the best prices and selections. Check out the Mattress Hub today. Guys, thanks so much, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. We'll talk to you next week from Memphis. Sounds great. There goes Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. We're going to take a quick break, wrap up hour number one of Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Go ahead. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, Chad. Uh, what's the Christmas song you promised us you'd let us know? What is it? Uh, we'll play it later. I've got it ready, but we'll we'll play it later in the show. Okay. All right. We'll guess at which one it is as we come back into the breaks. All right, Tommy, the kicker drama real quick. Uh, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's an issue. The Chiefs seem to find some of this drama better than other teams. I guess that's the price of winning. 
Um, you better fix those kicking issues. You think Colquitt's on to anything here? Uh, you know, I don't know. I know that Colquitt kind of sounds a little bitter that he's not, you know, that he kind of got left by the Chiefs, got released by them. But he said yeah. that they brought him back in 2021, which I remember they did, but primarily to teach Tommy Townsend how to hold kicks. And apparently Townsend didn't listen to his advice. And uh, Colquitt called him, and I quote, a smart Alec, a smart Alec. Uh, and so that's not good. Uh, now, Tommy Townsend, by the way, did win the special teams player of the week in the AFC. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't I, maybe when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, I just find this drama really unnecessary. Uh, as a seasoned smart aleck, I don't hold that against anybody. I think um, my, as my grandpa always said, it's better to be a smart A than a dumb A. And I True. agree with that wholeheartedly. There you go. Uh, I, let me hear it from Harrison Butker or Dave Tobe. Otherwise, like Colquitt, sorry, man, you just sound a little bitter. He might be right, though. And if he is, they better figure it out because it's going to be a factor. You know it's going to be a factor in a meaningful game at some point. All right, we'll come back. Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul joins us. We'll have him grade the Shocker season when we return on Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.